being around black people actually helps me a lot. I don't have to hide, I feel accepted, I feel beautiful. It's a different feeling when you're with young people. You're listening to Disrupting Balance, the podcast, where we are busting myths and breaking balance. Here's stories from women who are pushing boundaries to navigate the decisions and changes that come with work, womanhood, and winning. I'm your host, Hanifa Barnes, speaker, decision strategist, and master imbalancepreneur. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Disrupting Balance podcast. I am so glad you've joined me yet again. It's season two, and you know, if you don't know by now, it's all about big myths. Those ideas, those traditions, the bits of symbolism, the mores, and all those things that we thought we were supposed to believe and supposed to do until we realized that we didn't have to or we didn't want to because they didn't align with our truth. And today's episode is no different. In fact, it's near and dear to my heart. You don't really know how the myth around becoming or being the strong woman really gets passed down until you talk to one of your children. And so today I talk to one of mine. Butterfly Barnes is a 20-year-old junior at Bowie State University and HBCU in Maryland, and she stopped by to shed light on the challenges and myths of being the young Black woman who has navigated white spaces throughout her formative schooling. And while she's still defining her story, she also is trying to reconcile her own false persona of the strong, confident friend and the myths around beauty standards. Recently, Butterfly embarked on entrepreneurship as she used her free time during the coronavirus pandemic to start a social media coordination business. Her goal is to help others give voice to their digital presence. So today in the guest chair, we have a very special guest. That's right, y'all. I convinced my 20-year-old daughter to join me on the podcast to discuss big myths from the young woman's perspective. Welcome to the show, Butterfly. Hi, everybody. I am so glad you agreed to join me, and you should tell the world that I did not have to pay you to do this. No, she did not have to pay me to do this. (laughs) Okay, so we'll jump right in like we do with all of our guests, and the first question is, what is your story? Honestly, I think I'm really young. I still don't know exactly what my story is. I'm still trying to find myself. Okay. And so in finding yourself, what are some things you would want to discover? Um, honestly, my purpose, that's a big thing I'm trying to figure out. I have a lot of things that I'm passionate about, but I I feel like I'm sent here on earth to do something specific, to change someone's life. I, I don't know exactly what that is, but my purpose is something I really am trying to discover about myself. And do you think that at any point in your journey that something has shown you what that purpose could be? Um, Yeah, actually, yes. Um, I have a knack, I think, for children and helping others and 
being an advocate for social issues or personal issues for my friends. I think that I am really good with people and I think I'm supposed to help change someone's life in a good way. I'm, I'm just not sure exactly how I'm supposed to go about doing that. All right. So you talk about helping your friends with personal issues. And because I know a little bit about that, I wanted to dive into that a little bit more. What are some of the personal issues without naming your friends and maintaining their anonymity? What are some of the personal issues that you've helped your friends with? It could be very serious, like a family issues or maybe suicidal thoughts or you know, I have a friend who's gone through so much in her life and she projects all of her issues out on other people. And, you know, I've noticed that I'm someone who can see how somebody is just by having a simple conversation. I can feel somebody. So I understand her issues and I tried to help her as much as I could. And I told her I wasn't going to let go or I wasn't going to go anywhere because I believed that I could fix her or it could be a simple problem like it's a boy. Or my friend doesn't feel good enough or she feels insecure about something she wore or her body, her father telling her she's not pretty enough or she's too fat. And I'm always there to pick them up, to help them, to guide them. Um, it's a lot of issues that I honestly have to help my friends with. And why do you think you take that on? Because as a young woman in your 20s, I'm sure you have your own things that you deal with. So why do you feel like this is part of your identity, what you have to do in helping your friends? That's a good question because that's always been a question for me. Um, I always feel like I have to fix people. And e even my mother, you have told me that I always pick up people who have issues. And I don't know. And I could, I could feel it before I meet someone. I want to fix. I want to help. I just want to be that person that could bring them out of darkness and push them to light because I just believe they can be great. I don't know why I do that. And that's something I really have to figure out. So a question, let's think about this. What do you think would happen or how do you think you would feel if you couldn't fix an issue? I feel like I'm hard on myself a lot. And I feel like to myself, I tell myself, I tell myself that there is no issue that I can't fix. I'm going to try my best, but sometimes there are things I cannot do. And i Probably, I think I do get a little distraught and I feel helpless. Like I, I just want to help that person. But some people just don't want help. And if they don't want it, it's just hard for you to, you know, you can't be the only one who wants help. They both have to want it. So I move on from the situation. Yeah, that's um, an interesting thing. This idea of feeling distraught and hopeless when you can't fix something and it kind of reminds me or brings to light the whole idea of the strong black woman, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I think this is something that we as black women learn at a very early age about the ability to care for ourselves and also care for others. Yeah. So is there any point in your life that you can recall where some of the influence of the strong black woman played a part, whether it was in watching me or watching a friend's mother or a teacher or a grandmother or an aunt. Can you recall any experiences where that whole idea of the strong black woman started to play a role for you? 
you know, maybe when I was younger, um, there was a point I always remember, I, I guess I'll bring this one up, when we moved to Georgia and it was very hard on us. And I know it was hard on my brothers and um, you, it was hard on you too. We all were struggling and I saw you not break necessarily, but it, it just, it broke my heart to see how like, you just seemed like you didn't know what to do. And it was, you were trying to hold us up, but also trying to hold yourself up because we were just all going through a lot. And I just always remember watching you be hurt, I guess. And another point I bring up another time, actually, I don't know if you remember this. And I remember I don't, I was young, so I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I remember I walked to the kitchen and you were making fries and um, you were like, you know, really aggressive with the fries and you seemed like you were going through a lot. I was like, mom, are you okay? Are you okay? And you kind of like threw the spatula down and ran to the bathroom and just sat and started crying. And I didn't know what was going on. I was really young, but I just remember holding you and rubbing your back and feeling your pain, I guess. And from there, I think I felt like I had to be that strong as well, especially for my younger brothers. I always try to be strong for them, even Solly, my older brother. So I think watching you go through what you went through and it just brought something out of me, I think. Wow. Ooh, made me get all emotional over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And your example is interesting because I don't recall the incident, Yeah, but it made me think of my youth mm-hmm. and growing up. And how I stepped in to care for my younger brother and sister whenever my parents were having issues. Yeah. And I felt the need to make sure they were protected and they were okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that is when I decided to put on my superwoman cape was exactly. at that age when I saw that. And so what you've picked up is something I have brought into your life unintentionally when yeah. I gave birth to you, you know? So there is a myth that black women or women in general have to be strong to yeah. take care of their their families or their partners or their friends or themselves. Do you feel that there's any truth to this myth? Are you required to be strong? How do you feel about that at 20 years old? Do you think you have to be strong? And if so, why? And if not, why not? Um, I believe that's true, honestly, because even as a woman, it's very hard to be just a woman in the world, you know, uh, with sexism, everything, it's very hard to have a strong presence in a, in a room full of men and don't feel at least a little bit, the slightest discouraged, but I just feel like black women get it really bad, especially in social media. I feel that I have definitely had to be strong as a black woman, um, woman in general, but most importantly, I am a black woman. So the things I've had to go through just by the color of my skin, I've had to be strong. You know, I've dealt with racism at a young age. I've had to just use my skin as a shield, honestly, because I knew I was going to get it. You know, the racism, especially the schools I went to. So you have to learn how to be strong from a young age, especially dealing with family dealing with all boys you have to be strong dealing with all boys so I think that's true I don't think that's a myth wow that is one line you said which stuck with me is you had to 
you have to and had to use your skin as a shield. Yeah. And when I think of your skin, not only your brown skin, but also your woman's skin. Yeah. Right. That you have to use as a shield. So you bring up your um, schooling and having to use your skin as a shield because of your circumstances in your household and where you went to school. Majority of your schools were majority white schools. Yeah. Um, so you've been able to navigate white spaces, but at the same time, black spaces when you do summer camps or when you're around family or when you go to church. So tell me what the impact of growing up in spaces where you don't see people that look like you all the time. What, what is the impact of that? Um, when I was younger, it definitely affected me a lot more, I think, because dealing with racism at a young age is really hard. For me, it really was because I was, when I was young, I didn't like myself. I didn't like my skin. I didn't like my hair. Um, I always wanted, you know, the girls, the straight hair. I loved it. I wanted that. I wanted long, curly hair. And I didn't know that my hair was beautiful just because I never saw anything really good about my hair anywhere. I didn't see anyone making all these commercials on shampoos for our hair. I didn't see the dolls with my hair on it. You know, the black girls, the black dolls even had the straight hair. I just wanted to be like them. So growing up and finding who I was and starting to really like myself, which actually happened pretty recently, like the beginning of college, because I, I decided to go to an all black school, which I think is the best thing for me. But seeing all these girls who look like me look absolutely beautiful in their hair inspired me to want to do that. So when I started to love myself, of course, I dealt with a little bit of racism, but I found myself and I started to love who I was. So that didn't affect me that much. I was able to kind of brush it off a little or tell myself I was beautiful. But back then, being in high school and hearing white boys call you a name, it, it broke it breaks you definitely or hearing your brother have to deal with kids at school calling him names or even dealing with, with your brother at an ice cream shop and someone writing down calling him inward in front of all these people and he's just helpless alone I wasn't there so that always broke me honestly I couldn't protect them so growing up I'm now I'm definitely a lot more secure in who I am so it doesn't affect me as much it hurts but it affect me more my brother's going through, the, through that Hmm. So it affects you more when they go through it. Yeah. But for you, you're like, I can handle it. I can handle it. It definitely makes me feel a certain way, but different than when I was younger, just because I was, you know, not as secure. I was not as confident in myself. So let's talk about that myth of beauty standards, right? Oh, yeah. Because you said you didn't love yourself and you grew up in a house where your parents are saying you're beautiful, we love you, to affirm and reaffirm the standard for you. But what I'm hearing you say is you also had to affirm it for yourself. So tell me a little bit more about what you thought was beautiful. You talked about the straight hair, but give us a picture of what you thought was beautiful and give us a picture now of what you know as beautiful. Okay, back then I thought, you know, slim waist, um, curvy body, um, light light skin, pretty eyes, you know, 
no imperfections on the face, you know, clear skin, straight hair or white girl hair. Um, just I, I just assumed light skin Spanish girl was the thing or just white girl blue eyes was the thing when I was younger, just because I saw that everywhere. I saw it on TV. I saw it. It didn't make me feel good about myself. But growing up, you know, like I said previously, going to black school has helped me tremendously because it's just everyone is different shape size and you know we all just have this love for each other it's a different kind of love when you're around all these people who look like you and love and respect you so now what I see is beautiful I just love black I think black girls are beautiful it doesn't matter your your size and shape and you know imperfections are everywhere in the body stretch marks are a thing so before college your HBCU experience. When someone told you, oh, butterfly, oh my gosh, you're so pretty. What was your first thought in your head? I didn't really believe it. I mean, I was the kind of person who needed to hear compliments from other people to make myself feel good. Um, Because I didn't didn't believe it myself. If I told myself I was beautiful or pretty, I didn't believe it. But hearing it from other people, it didn't make me feel good for a little bit. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I am, maybe I can be, maybe they see me and I'm pretty, but it didn't feel like anything at the end of the day. Maybe in the moment I was like, okay, but later I didn't believe them. That is very interesting because there is a myth that, you know, the, the girl, the woman who looks like she has it all, has it all together, even in her mind, Mm, she could essentially just be falling apart. Exactly. And that's a myth for sure, because Mm. I think those are the girls who have the most insecurities, I think, Mm. because me, myself, I feel like I have to hold up a certain persona. I am known to be the confident, fun friend who's always there if you need it. You know, I always have everything together. Perfect. Whatever. I'm here if you need me. Cry on my shoulder. Um, I'm always fabulous. Whatever, whatever. That is so not true um I'm insecure yes I was a I was more insecure back in the day I think for sure but geez uh, I'm not as confident as I put out at all I beat myself up a lot because this persona I've given it so much power it's become um a pattern for me since high school wow so what does it look like when you fall apart um it looks quiet because nobody ever knows it looks um lonely because I don't ever tell anybody it's really just me tearing myself apart but I don't let anyone see it I'm always smiling and having a good time goofy I'm just I don't ever want anyone to see that I'm hurting or I need help just listening I'm like I just passed down so many like things just listening to your experience I'm that way myself Yes. I don't want people to know I need help and would rather sit in silence and tear myself apart. Yeah. But what I've learned is it is a process that works for me because just as soon as I tear myself apart, I can come back and build myself back up to go forward and move forward. And I think that's a process you gain in the woman experience. Right. As long as you are blessed to see the fullness of that experience, I think that is what can happen. But it's not easy. That I know. Yeah. 
So let's go back to something you talk about, um, which is the black college experience. I know for some, there is a myth around the black college experience. One being that, oh, you go to a black college, you're not going to have access to the resources or the academic rigor is different, or you won't be able to get the job or getting to this next grad school is just not the place to go. You need to go to a PWI, which is a predominantly white institution. Why did you choose an HBCU? Honestly, I think it was really my group of friends I had. High school, there were a lot of white people, but there were very few black people. And we found each other, thank God. And we ended up becoming really close. And it was just me and my girls. And we had, we've gone through so much together in high school, dealing with racism. I think my senior year was definitely my best year, not because I had a lot of freedom and I had fun, but I fought the most for justice in my school, I think. Any little thing, I wouldn't let slip anymore. And every day we were in the principal's office, every day we were talking to them like, this isn't right, this is this, this is this. And I felt like I was doing something. And we even made a club for people who felt like us outsiders. It wasn't just for Black people, it was just for outsiders. But being around Black people actually helps me a lot. I feel more myself when I'm around them. I feel like I don't have to hide. I feel accepted. I feel beautiful. Even though girls can be judgy no matter what race, you know, there's always issues, but it's a different feeling when you're with your Mm -hmm. own people. It's just, it it builds you up in a way that nothing else can make you uh, that fulfilled. So Mm -hmm. I chose to be at an HBCU because I knew I would thrive around my own people. I knew I would have more fun and be more myself, I think. Well, there's definitely power in knowing that and going for what you know. So you're moving in the right direction. Thank you for kind of going back down memory lane and reliving and rehashing some of those experiences. It's not always good to have to think about when you don't feel like thinking about it, but let's think forward. What are you doing now? So you're a junior at Bowie State University. I am. And I know that coronavirus put a huge damper in your academic life, your social life, and kind of where you saw yourself for your junior year and some of the things you wanted to do. But how have you taken this time to try to reinvent yourself or do something different? What are you doing now that's new? Well, I started my own business. I am an entrepreneur. Being my own boss is something I live by. And I just didn't, I never knew where to start. I knew I wanted to do something and make my own business. But luckily I had a talk with my aunt, my mother, and, you know, I was able to get motivated enough to actually start my own social media business. It's called Fly Social. And basically I am a social media coordinator and I help schedule posts. I help organize your Instagram into the business that you want. Because a lot of people who have businesses, they need to get more attention. You know, they need social media to help build their brand up. So that's what I do. And I started, I'm in the process of making it big. I just put up my website, Instagram. So I'm just waiting for that to kick off so I can feel really accomplished. What is a message that you would tell yourself as a young girl who did not appreciate her kinky hair and her skin? I probably just tell myself that I am beautiful 
and don't take life too serious. I was so young and I was had all these issues <laughs> and I was like not enjoying myself and kind of know that everything will be okay. That would be nice to hear that for myself. I am Butterfly Barnes and I'm disrupting balance by taking life as it is and becoming stronger. Thank you for listening to Disrupting Balance. To learn more about how I'm disrupting balance, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Disrupting Balance. You can also check out my website at www.disruptingbalance.com to get podcast updates and news from the Balance Disruptor community about how you can become your very own master in balancepreneur. Talk soon.